What's up, everybody? Welcome to Through the Keyhole. We're back, we're back, we're back, we're back, we're back, we're back. It's the free one, it's the free one. Don't worry, don't worry. You're not on patreon.com slash through the keyhole. You did not accidentally subscribe, follow along for the $1, $4, $5 tier. You are just now, you know, doing what you've been doing. You've been listening to the formerly Inside OU podcast feed that we rebranded as Through the Keyhole. So I don't have to say the same damn thing, or two different things, over and over and over again and confuse everybody. So there's that. If anybody's having any trouble with their podcast, which I've uh, fortunately not heard anybody say that they're not getting episodes in their feed. Um, I, I know that the podcast logo is still the old Inside OU logo. It's supposed to... I mean, Apple is Apple. They take some time, unfortunately. Um, but I sent them an email today because I'm like, all right, this is you know, day four, day five, and it hasn't changed. But Spotify, it's the... Uh, the new logo. I assume Google Play is the same way, uh, but if it's not, please let me know because it helps out a lot. So without further ado, let us get right to the show. Everybody, two through the keyhole. It's Brady Trantham here alongside Mr. Keegan Renault in the kitchen, like we always do, because the acoustics are just, you know, they're just better down here for whatever reason. Probably because I got a bunch of shit right here. Uh, but we are back. Uh, Matt Burton, our lovely producer, uh, is on. He's on assignments right now, uh, getting getting something ready for this show exactly the episode. Um, and yes, this is the free one, but we will be answering our Monday question of the week. Uh, that our patrons answer uh, from the Monday post every week on our Patreon page. We will be answering that question and reading out some comments on this episode, the free one, and announcing the winner who gets a Through the Keyhole nice little t-shirt that was featured on Oklahoma City Fox 25 over the weekend. And wouldn't you know it, Keegan, you had your back turned to the camera and it couldn't have been in a better spot. It was dead center. You couldn't not see it. All we saw was through the keyhole, dead center on Fox 25. So shout out to Peyton May, uh, who did the story and uh, interviewed our good friend Regina Bell, who helped us actually, who made the t-shirts um, and kind of highlighted our tailgate. So uh, good good spotting, Keegan. I tend to be in the right place at the right time. I try to be. It's my, I guess it's my thing. Mm. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm typically not. Unlike, so good for me. Unlike Spencer Rattler's throws. Did it look good? I look big. I mean, it looked good. Little love, little love handles shown. No love handles were shown. Mm. No love handles were shown appreciate in the making of this recording. I appreciate that. whoever yeah. shot that did not get those in there. Yeah, and you know, like the camera adds what ten five or five or ten pounds. Thirty. Thirty. Oh my god. No, I don't know how much weight. My god. No, I'm I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Good. I, was in a was at a football game in the stands for the first time in a. Felt like an eternity. The last game I was at was uh, 2018. Uh, I guess I was at OU Texas in 18. That was the last one. Who really? Mm-hmm. It's been a while. Now that was the first, obviously the first time I've been on campus for an OU game uh, during or before or during the game uh, since 2019. I didn't want to go at all last year. I was on campus for a few post game shows. Chisholm and I did. Um, like on Campus Corner, but 
you know, that's an hour or so after the game ends, and it the atmosphere would just wasn't it just wasn't normal for obvious reasons. So mm-hmm. um, this past Saturday, we talked about it on the post game pod on the Patreon page. Which uh, hey guys, we <laughs> not to pat ourselves on the back. Uh, I mean, this is a combined great effort from Keegan, especially with the Dynamite Film Review uh, over over Tulane on Sunday. Matt Burton, ever since we brought him into the fold, it's just been he's been our 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 rabbit tail. I mean, what do we want to call it? He's uh. You said a, something a about lot, a, a lot like Chip Long and Willie Fritz. Oh I yeah. I guess Matt's got a horseshoe up his ass for us. And that's isn't gr- that the phrase? Yes, and that's great because, um, you know, like. I, I might have put it there in the first place. We don't know. We're, we're, we're not we're not going to get further into Matt's anus, so don't worry about that. But like I said, Matt's on he assignment. He does want to show you show show you guys his feet at some point. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But ever since we added Matt, and especially ever since OU nearly shat the bed against Tulane, we've jumped up twenty or some odd patrons. So mm. to the patrons who listen to the free pod. Hey everybody! Thank you, thank you all so damn much. This is awesome. Um, it helps. It helps us want to do better. Mm-hmm. It, it helps us feel like, hey, people actually care, and uh, we're growing our you know little audience bit by bit. Um, hopefully, it continues to grow. Um, obviously, I, I would rather OU destroy their opponents, and it's just kind of routine, and then we just get a little bit of a steady stream, uh, regardless. But hey. Uh, very thankful, very appreciative, um, and hopefully these podcasts, the articles that Keegan and I write on the Patreon page, um, some funny videos, Keegan's film reviews, um, and the website, which you know, I keep saying, like, in a few days it should be good, but my God, is it very hard to uh, build a website not just using a WordPress template. Mm-hmm. It is whew, it is extremely detailed. And I keep wanting to like, well, I want to do this now. And then I get bogged down because I guess I'm kind of a perfectionist. But it is what it is. But hopefully you guys like the entire product that we're trying to give you. Uh, Because, you know, what, two, three days after Saturday, um, we didn't like the product that we saw really at all um, when OU took took down Tulane. Uh, Keegan, I'm going to actually give you the floor for a little bit. Um, You, with the film review... Like I said on the Monday post, like I said on Twitter, like you, you did a very good job of like really laying out why any Spencer Rattler stuff that I had was, you know, emotional fan stuff, mm-hmm. which is going to happen when you're watching the game. And there's no doubt, like you and I both agree, he didn't meet the standard, Mm-mm. which is both un- like both sad but very good because when you take away the emotion and take away kind of the being in the moment of his play, you're kind of left with, Man, he still played really well, but my God, there's so much more room for improvement. Hopefully, he makes those jumps, you know, fairly quickly, uh, because the sky's the limit, uh, if that's the case. But I just want to give you the floor to basically lay out any other Tulane thoughts that you had since you were uh, at a wedding on Saturday. <laughs> I want to say first, Rattler didn't play well. I, I I think I've I've made that like in terms of the standard that he needs to play to. He didn't. And I'm not going to sit here and act like he did. And that's that's not what we're doing. That's it's not what not what we not what I do. Um, if you do go watch, you know the breakdown we did of the Tulane game. It is an hour long. Broadcast video, video the broadcast view is a little bit longer. Give us the all twenty two. Yep. 
so we can actually see what safeties are doing. That why, would be why really is nice. that so protected? I don't know. I because like you've heard me say, I, I just said it a second ago, like there was no Kansas State tape to study this offseason besides the OU game. And then after they had COVID issues against Texas, like those were the only two games you could study for Kansas. It State. can't. It can't be because well, we don't want easy access to our game films. Like your, I, I your promise opponents you, if, are going to get it. If your opponent is getting insight from me on Twitter, then one, you should still kick the shit out of them. Oh yeah. And two, that, that person staff should, should be fired. Be fired. <laughs> yes. Um. So this, I, I don't know. It's I will say like I I know that there are people and you can find it out there that people are sharing the tape. But it's it's one of those things, man, where I guess that you just got to know the right people and you got to be associated and, and working for the right people. So you the best part, of, when I say all 22, you also get the end zone view where you see the offensive line play 100%. So that's why, like, you go through these games during the season and then you break them down after the season and you actually have more information at that point. So with that being said, let's – the Rattler, if you want to start, uh, let me start there because I, I think that's the, obviously the most polarizing topic from Saturday. And he had four inaccurate throws, and he made four middle errors. And that's eight of 46, I think, 47 plays that he had the ball in his hands. So how do you weigh that? And I've talked with Brady about this since Saturday. I don't know, like – I'm still having struggles, like, trying to figure out how to weigh where my head is at from Saturday. There was three or four throws he made on Saturday, Brady, that I don't know if there's a quarterback in the last four years that there, that Lincoln's had that could also made it in the same way he did. And I don't know if there's more than four quarterbacks on planet Earth, and I said this on the radio yesterday, that could make those throws and the decisiveness in which he made them. Specifically – early in the game, the offsides where anybody that I watched that was there live watching that knows like how ridiculously stupid it was. I mean, the safety's in the middle of the field, Mims is there, and he basically threw behind Mims and threw him open with velocity and got there on time and like perfect throw on the first uh long run that Mims had after the catch. Like there's not many guys that can do that. Now there's a lot of guys that can overthrow Mike Woods running over the middle of the field and over can overthrow Mario Williams um, in the second half. Those are the two bad – or in the Austin Sogner one. Those three – there's a lot of guys that the can The Jeremiah that. Hall one that he tipped. Yeah, and I broke that down. I he, don't know. Like, I don't know if Hall should have kept going. Yeah. And, you know, he, like, sat down in the coverage. And, like, I don't know if they've worked on whether he can sit that down. or That's just something well, that we won't know the answer to. Well, maybe he'll, he'll talk about it on the uh, podcast on the Prairie, which – that dropped, right? Oh, the new episode? No. Oh, oh, really? No, it hasn't yet. Dude, consistency is key. Do I need to go in there and give them a seminar? You know, on the podcasting? podcast on the prairie was never inconsistent back in the day. No, I mean, I, again, litigation should kind of take place, <laughs> Keegan. You no, know, OU does all they can to C and D and sue their way into getting every little penny. So, sure, yeah, and again, like, there's the let's let's focus on the two interceptions. The obviously the one the Stogner the, the overthrow to him, and the not the Jane Hazelwood one did not end up being an interception. Like on that pass interference, there's part of me that is like just no call that because Hazelwood's hand fighting as well, right? But he was impeding Hazelwood's like ability to run upfield. Yeah. which was really weird. Like, he, the corner played that really weirdly. Like, I've never seen 
a guy not open his hips and run with a guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was just – anyways, I, I that play that Hazelwood, it was the same play, White Cross. We, uh, we've gone over it on our Basics 1 video um, from last year or from over the summer. Like, Stogner's open over the middle of the field, but Spencer made his mind up before the snap. The problem was that he was successful running that play earlier in the game on the big Hazelwood explosive pass, and it was there. The difference is Tulane ran cover six on the first one, and they ran cover one man-to-man on the second one. They blitzed the nickel on the first one. They blitzed the linebackers on the second one, not the nickel. So that's where Rattler's got to grow because that's the same interception he threw to Marvin Mims against Kansas State last year. Now, you haven't seen that from me yet, Brady, but it is. the And we went over that, right, where Drake Stoops is running uh, the white cross over the middle of the field, and he was open. And Rattler went ahead and forced to throw to Mims that he shouldn't have, and the corner picked it off last year. So that's an issue, and that is a that is that and the inaccuracy throws were the two big ones for me where if I'm an evaluator and I'm moving forward, like those have to improve by Nebraska. And if they don't, that's when you start to see him and you see Matt Corral and you see Keaton Slovis and you see Sam Howell, uh, who also had a bad weekend. Um, you see those guys start to climb and chase Rattler for this number one quarterback in the draft. Yep. So that's nothing new to anybody that's listened to this podcast. We've been hammering this big topic storyline. You know, a lot of people talk about, you know, Rattler need to grow up. You know, we had that why, the why to that. Why does he need to grow up? You had plenty of things. You have, you know, the growing pains of a young quarterback video, Brady, that people can go and watch on the Patreon if you, if all the new sub- people, uh, new subscribers listening to this. Um, you know, he, he's got to be better. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But as everybody that, you know, listens to this now, they'll hear this. He's – I feel better today even – bet more than I did two days ago after yeah. watching the game. Like, the fact that he took it so well, took the coaching and criticism within the walls well, went through the game with all the skill guys, um, individually with the wide receivers and then tight ends, that that shows maturity that maybe I didn't expect from. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That I was I, – I would expect him to be in there and basically, you know – kind of be like me and fight and scratch and claw to say that I wasn't doing it wrong, right? Like, didn't sound like that. Doesn't sound like that was the case. Now, we don't know officially because, obviously, we're not inside those walls. But I, I, he's in good spirits. So, um, that being said, I don't know if you had any comments on that. But before we get to the defensive issues and then finish it up with the offensive line because, boy. Good call, yeah. Um, I mean, the only thing that I had to ask about Spencer and – this was something that we kind of went back and forth on, what was it, might have been late Saturday night or mm-hmm. maybe even Sunday morning, um, because like during the game, I was screaming at the TV at the tailgate, just asking the question, like, why is he constantly throwing off of his back foot? And you told me that you only saw one play where he's throwing off of his back foot, or two. Two now. Yeah, um, the Jane Hazelwood the pass at the end was off his back foot. Yeah. The, the interceptable pass. And then after watching your film review, and then I also watched like a condensed version of the game on YouTube and just sped it up. Mm-hmm. I guess what I'm, what I'm seeing is him fading in the pocket. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's just the way that he plays naturally 
I don't know if that's because of the offensive line's pass protection, which Lincoln Riley said earlier today um, at, during his press conference that he thought it was excellent. But mm-hmm. there were times where, yeah, the, the offensive line had their guys accounted for. Nobody was bull rushing. Uh, but Conjol's still getting pushed back right. into Spencer Rattler, and that kind of causes you to want to fade back. And my question to you is, Keegan, is, is that concerning? Because, I mean, a lot of... Spencer's problems over the last two, like just since he's been the starting quarterback at OU, when he's turned the ball over, it's because the ball sails. Mm-hmm. And I never played quarterback, but <laughs> I don't know. I um, I mean, I played I played quarterback in a in an option offense. Sure. Let's just say I I wasn't throwing the ball, but I've thrown the football a ton. <laughs> Here, here's the uh, here's the experience. Um, I've thrown a football a ton. You throw off your back foot, it's just sails. Like, if you're trying to throw it far, you kind of, like, lean back and launch it. Mm-hmm. And so when I see him, see his body fading back because the offensive line, the center or the guard is getting pushed up into him, and he has to kind of just get away from him, I mean, to me that's concerning if the offensive line is getting short up in the interior. Or, or should it be concerning? Am I just looking at something and, and hyper-focusing did, on it? Did you feel like those came more on third down? When I've now, if I ask you that and looking back on it, yeah, because I mean, a lot of the first down throws are going to be like the easy, like screens to Mario Williams. Um, I mean, the I need to re I need to rewatch the third quarter because I, I remember the best third down throw I can remember was their first touchdown. I think it was their first uh, scoring drive where he hit Darby. Yeah, in that play too, you had a guy coming off the edge unblocked, and he had to get out of the pocket, and. You know, I, I, I'm saying and asking that about the third down thing because Kyler did it, Jalen did it, Baker did it. Is it a Spencer thing, or does Lincoln on the third down want those guys because how good they are outside the pocket to get as much depth as possible to see the field, scan the field? You can get out of the pocket and make a play if you have to. So part of me thinks that it isn't a rattler like individual thing because Jalen had the same issues yes he and did the, and the problem is is that when you do that the angle for the edge rushers to get to the quarterback is a lot easier it forces either you get forced into the pocket to step up into it or you do what Rattler has done over the last two years which is not step up and try to bail out and bail out to the right side he does not bail to the left a lot like his uh, predecessor yeah so there's there's that and into the the throwing off the the back foot thing, it's like uh, I don't know how to make like in baseball terms like how to say this like it would be like if a pitcher is short strided and anybody that pays that knows baseball will understand what I'm saying there and I'll try to make it and explain this like it's like he doesn't get enough drive he doesn't get into his back hip enough and drive off that back leg to make throws. Yeah. Because he he makes a quick step, so he's not throwing off his back foot, but is he putting all the power into that throw he needs to make? I question it a little bit because we've seen how much arm strength he has. And here's the other thing, too. All these young quarterbacks nowadays, like their offensive coordinator, QB coach at their school, is not the guy fundamentally teaching them shit. They go. All these guys have their own quarterback coaches. Mike Giovinardo, the guy that's with Rattler, he talks about him all the time and out in Arizona. Yeah. Like, those are the guys that are 
in the offseason working with these guys. Kyler, I mean, go to Arizona. He's working with a guy that's not with the Cardinals in the offseason. So, like, how, again, I know a lot of, <laughs> thanks to Dan Orlovsky, like, I a lot of questions about Rattler's mechanics have come up, you know? And I just, I don't know if it's a, it's a huge issue. Like, I, I don't know if that's, like, the, just just make the fucking throw. I pardon my French there, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's there for you to make it. Like, there's no reason for you to be behind on Williams. There was nothing from, like, his shoulder, hip, leg, knee, his shoulder, hip, and knee all was lined up. Just He just overthrew him. And that's something that we haven't seen. And then, like I said a second ago, <laughs> that's a, uh, something to note moving forward because we haven't seen that be consistent. I mean, it, he was inaccurate in the first quarter. He was inaccurate in the second quarter at times, and he was inaccurate in the third and fourth. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, I think the like the the Stogner one, right? Like you know, we went through it this morning. Um, you know, hearing a little bit about it, like that's something that won't be and shouldn't be an issue moving forward because, like, basically, it sounds like Stogner was open and he knew he was early before he lifted behind the linebacker, and basically they're gonna find him earlier mm-hmm. and not allow it to be deep, and like even on that throw. You know, it's a conversation I had about when Kyler, you know, remember in the preseason two years ago, everybody was like, oh, my God, like, his completion percentage is under 60%, and he's overthrowing guys. And, like, it's like, man, Kyler's biggest issue at Oklahoma was his eyes being in the right place, and his eyes were in the right place in the preseason that year. And I was like, I think he's going to be fine. (laughs) And now you look at it, can Rattler improve in understanding of the playbook you know, Lincoln said today, talking about, like, it's a lot different whenever you don't have the blue jersey on for that first time. And, you know, even on that, and I, I don't know what your opinion on, is on this. I, I did go back and look at what Mahomes' year, his third year, you know, his 21, his third year in college, what it looked like. And he had three bad games, three of them. So, I don't know. Um, you know, I trust Dave Bartu and our, our good friend Adam McClintock that I'm sure will join us as the college football playoff gets closer because they do a fantastic job with that. Um, you know, they talk about QB effect and for, like, the draft. And, like, they have a data point or something that goes with it. But basically the whole synopsis is, is that if you're an NFL franchise, the older the quarterback is, the likelier the chance you already know who it is and the likelier the chance that the guy pans out. So – which makes – that's why you've heard me all offseason talk about this draft class of quarterbacks. It's so unique. You have four guys who lost seven months of development last year. And I promise you, Matt Corral's going to have a game in about a month where he's going to have four – he's going to have three, four interceptions, and the world's going to be coming down. You know, like Sam Howell had his game on Sat- on Friday, I think, that we won't see him like that again. Like all the, the – I mean – his analytics from that game are terrible, which, again, has not been the case for him. Rattler, same thing. So, you know, I, I would imagine people, you know, I, I was going to say regress. I don't know if that's the right, right word I'm trying to use. But, you know, there will be positive regression probably back up to the mean moving forward. And then there's going to be the highs of highs again. And then there's going to be the lows of lows. And it's just going to be this steady climb back and forth. And it's honing that in. And the one that can do that um, – is probably going to end up being the top quarterback taken next spring. So there's a lot. It's game one. Don't have a ton of data to work off of. Like, we don't know if Rattler's matured. Like, we don't, from a game perspective, get, he didn't pass his test week one. 
That's well, for damn sure. Well, we do know that he still refuses to slide or protect his body when he takes off. Did you see Corral run a guy over last night? I'm like, yes. what are you guys doing? How? Same thing. I mean, at least, I mean, did Baker ever try to run someone over? <laughs> yeah. Bedlam in uh, 17. Remember when he fumbled? He, like, had that sick run, and he, like, was trying to oh, go. Oh, yeah. And, like, tried to put his head down, and Good he fumbled. Pull. Yeah, I yeah, mean, but, but Baker didn't. But Baker was also a, a bull. I mean, yeah, he was sturdy. Like Sam Howell's sturdy. Like if they have to, mm-hmm. that type of player at the quarterback's position can attempt to like lower a shoulder. For the most part, you need to slide and protect your body or run towards the boundary. Spencer Rattler is never going to be that type of player because no. he's just small. Mm-hmm. Bryce Young at Alabama Bryce will never Spencer be. Spencer isn't a natural runner either. He isn't. He relies on an athleticism. I said this on the post game that he. D- I don't think he realizes he doesn't possess. <laughs> I mean, I could. I say that with all due respect. I, he, I mean, he, I don't. He, I, he's fast. Like I don't terms, disagree with you. That's what I was going to say. He's fast in terms of like human beings. Mm-hmm. But once he gets out in the open field, he can't. Like he made a guy miss against Oklahoma State last That's year. That's the worst thing that could have happened. I I I see where you're going. Um, <laughs> And that all that to say, it, it's just you know we talked about it last year, it not having a quarterback that can you know with the element of the running game, mm-hmm. especially with where OU's running game is right now, where you've got two running backs that appear to be on a pitch count. I mean they had twenty three combined carries against Tulane. Eric Gray had eight. Kennedy Brooks had fourteen. Neither Todd Hudson or Jaden Knowles had a carry, which is very disappointing. Uh, Jeremiah Hall, I don't even think got a carry. And that, that was about it with the running game, except for Spencer Rattler's kind of scrambles here and there. But um, you'd, you'd hope that without having the element of a quarterback run, unless Caleb Williams goes out there, which we didn't even talk about that, but unless Spencer Rattler just cleans up those little things that we kind of just assumed, like we kind of just assumed that he would have cleaned up in the offseason. And mm-hmm. that was my big th- takeaway on the post-game pod, Keegan, was like, shame on me for assuming that he would do that because what do I what do I always tell you when we talk about Spencer Sanders? Mm-hmm. Like, don't just assume he's not going to – he's going to all of a sudden start not turning the ball over. Maybe I shouldn't have assumed that Spencer Rattler wasn't going to take what the defense gives to him because I truly think this. I think making those boring plays are what – help teams blow out opponents like a Tulane. Like, Tulane's still... I mean, they're good. Don't get me wrong, but they should have been a team that got rolled by Oklahoma because Oklahoma's just better. OU is a national title contender for a reason. Tulane is not. Um, But making all the boring plays can turn a 37-14 to margin into a 45-14. to And if that's the case... Tulane is like kind of mailing it in at that point. Let's not get Pratt hurt at the like. There's no not enough time, not and not enough time, and we're outmatched. Called in. You could have said that at last year about Kansas State, which I wrote about in the Money Post on Patreon. Uh, making those small plays, throwing to Eric Gray in the flat, um, maybe throwing it away if the leak route is covered, and you've already made the decision pre-snap to throw it to him, so you're kind of caught in no man's land. Just throw the ball away and be smart with it. Like making small plays is what I think separates OU for the last two and a half years of where they've been of just looking like awesome, awesome football team, and then they take their foot off the gas, mm-hmm. and then they allow their opponent to come back. It's such a 
it's such a unique it's like situation from Saturday because you did have, you know, times when, you know, guys are missing blocks or assignments in the run game. And that's why it's second and nine. You know, you can't it's hard you're not gonna run the football before we flip over to defense and talk about running the football on second and nine. Uh, you're not going to run the football very often on second and nine unless the opportunity presents itself to. So they were put in a, a bunch of really weird spots that, you know, I think it. Marvin Mims said after the game, like Tulane was calling out routes, if I remember correctly, the quote uh, that came out. And Matt Burton can uh, hopefully when he gets to the editing on this can like chime in and be like, yes, he said that and maybe play the audio. Boom, boom. Um, but I was going to say like, that's where part of all of this like comes back to me. You know, you're talking about the league play, right? And you know, plays worked every time since 2018. Tulane had seven months to watch tape. Like to me, like I'm mad that Spencer didn't see the corner and didn't come down to the corner. Who, by the way, didn't bite at all <laughs> on Eric Gray. Yeah, he did. He did. He just took off as far back away from the line of scrimmage as he could. Yeah, he. I see now I should have I should have looked this and maybe you'll just know this off memory sure. of the film review but the cornerback was about four or five yards away from Eric Gray when he broke out of the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. but he was already like in a backpedal motion so maybe when when Spencer is scanning the field he just sees that and assumes the corner is just he sitting saw there. Mims running the shallow yeah and he had his hips open and when he saw Mims like leave to go over the linebacker into that deep third on the other third he just took off. <laughs> I mean, they knew exactly what was coming. So, like, part of me, like, I'm like, Spencer, like, can't just assume that this is always going to be open, despite the fact that it always is. Yeah. And Lincoln, I don't know if you want to go there next or go to the defense, but. Oh, we'll go to the defense. Um, but, Lincoln, why are you calling that on the second play of the game, knowing Tulane how I mean, a good coach is going to be prepared for that play because you run it every game and it is open every See, game. See, and that's where, like, if you're going to call that that leak concept play on the second play of the game, I mean, obviously, uh, the best case scenario is they let Marvin Mims just outrun their safety. Now the ball was over the safety. If the corner wasn't there, yeah, it would have been if fun. The cor- <laughs> if the corner just sits down and like covers Eric Gray, <laughs> does what every corner has done against yeah. it. Well, <laughs> you'd think you'd think it. Lincoln would want to just get other film out there of like we're not this is just not the Marvin Mims play. Sure. When he lines up right here and he starts running the shallow route, it's not the Marvin Mims play. So like that could have been a good opportunity to like script a play of Spencer Rattler either taking off, dumping it off to somebody else, like just throw it to somebody else as I uh, clip on like clip on the uh, audio, excuse me. Well, it's like a Rick Rubin production. <laughs> um throw it to somebody else or throw it away. Mhm. But I mean whatever let's 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 shift gears a little bit to the defense uh Alex Grinch talked uh today after Lincoln Riley and the big quote that I heard from him was uh that he was extremely disappointed in the players and that it's not oh it's not simply okay to just be okay and Mm. you know like fans are going to eat that up and I love when Alex Grinch talks um but as much blame as I put on the players, and I put probably the majority of the blame on them because at the end of the day, they're the ones who have to play. They're the ones who have to make the plays. Motivation can only do so much. Once the game starts, motivation doesn't matter at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so the players did not bring forth optimal effort from the get-go. Can and I say just one of them did? Is that fair? 
you, you could we could find players littered across the roster right. that played and played a majority of the snaps and like no they they knew what was at stake and they mm-hmm. they took this seriously but the either the leaders of the team didn't either the majority of the players didn't but again like yeah there are a few players that did for sure i mean you you you, you were close you were close there to the throwing it right into my point um i mean I, I I just I have a hard after watching it and it's like like in 19 right like we were I think both of us were upset that Kenneth Murray was biting on all the eye candy that Kansas State was giving him yeah I mean how many times did I stop in that film review and just be like there's no edge player here because it's second and nine <laughs> this is where we get into the weeds of this and we're gonna have like official data on like how many times they actually ran it on second and nine. There was a second and 13 they ran it on, which is obviously a normal passing down. They ran it on, and Oklahoma was slanting the defensive line left. They were stunting the rushbacker over. Both corners, Brady, are dropping into quarters coverage and not into the run, not into, like, right when the ball is snapped. They're dropping into quarters coverage. Um, There's nobody there to help the edge. So, and you're asking Brian Osamoa to have to scrape over and climb a couple guys yeah, to, to I, have to set the edge, and it's like that's where that's where my ignorance kind of like pisses me off of like because I I would I'd watch Brian Osamoa and like all Tulane was doing and Grant Benson you know brought this up on West of Everest they did a good job of pointing this out but you know you rewatch the game knowing what's coming and you just follow along and it's really easy to see all Tulane was doing was just crossing routes and trying to get the linebackers bogged down mm-hmm. and just a sea of people. And they kept and, blitzing on third and six. Yeah. And leaving that area. And I just didn't understand. Like if you're wanting Brian Asimo, who's, who's got good speed, mm-hmm. he's got good sideline to sideline speed. If you want him to go chase somebody in the flat, like why are you making him s- start so far away, you know, strategically right. knowing what Tulane is doing where that's not going to work. So, like, even though I, I placed most of the blame on the players, there is a level of blame with Alex Grinch and the defensive staff because miscommunication, misallocation of resources in that they played 31 players. Mm-hmm. They played 31 players on defense. Um, treating it like a scrimmage, you know, like, that, that's that been thrown out there. I kind of I kind of agree with that I thought. I agree with it a thousand did, percent. Did they, did they go into that game saying, this is a scrimmage? No, 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 no. But the philosophy... Players know, though. Yeah, but the the philosophy in which they chose to combat this opponent, mm-hmm. very, very scrimmagey. And it, it showed. It almost got Oklahoma beat. I mean, I, I said this, and I, I kind of have to say it like this, and I said this yesterday on air, and I, I think a lot of people maybe hopefully took it the right way, but, I mean, Grinch got his ass kicked on Saturday. He's. I'm sure he admitted that. I mean, when you watch the tape, it's there. There's still... P- he admitted that he made that on Saturday. Well, I mean, he didn't say he, he did. got his ass kicked, but he he was like, "I did not do a good job preparing this team of preparing this defense." Yeah, and so and you know, like that's we've seen that one time before. So in my data sense, it's like two games of the twenty six that Alex Grinch has been at Oklahoma have been pretty good. Uh, let's scratch the LSU game. So two of twenty five <laughs> have been pretty good. Some of them have been really good. So I'm going to consider that Tulane having almost the perfect day play calling on off- offensively, that it didn't seem like anything Alex Grinch was calling was working. I'm going to say that's an outlier until it 
maybe happens again. Um, you know, and so with that being said, now that I got that out of the way, now we got the that Grinch got beat. I mean, hand. I mean, more than a handful, double handful, more than maybe a dozen times that he either blitzed someone on third and six, both linebackers, and left the middle of the field open, leaving a nickel back to have to cover a slot receiver crossing the middle of the field, and they got a first down on it. He either was a second and nine or a running down, second and first and ten, second and nine, or not first and ten, but second and nine, second and 13 passing downs where they're running it, and Grinch is doing a pass stunt, you know, pass blitz, or, you know, there are run blitzes and all that fun stuff, you know, so – there's big parts of it. Oklahoma's not going to be the team, and I've said this about the offensive line, but now I really believe it, especially now looking at the fact that Oklahoma fell Brady and SP Plus from 15th to 30th already after one week Jeez. defensively. Oklahoma's not going to be the team they want to be if Perrion Winfrey doesn't show up every snap. It's completely unacceptable. Yeah, and you, you – hell, he gets this hype. He gets all this hype, and – I mean, he plays like that, and <laughs> again, maybe that kind of falls in line with the whole Spencer Rattler thing of like shame on me for assuming. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was no doubt that Perrion Winfrey was playing up to a level heading into the end of the season last year that gave us all the fair impression that this he was, was a not top fifty prospect from Dane Bo- Brugler, the Athletic, one of the most respected NFL draft guys. Yeah, it's a top fifty prospect. Yeah, it's. Effort, you know, like I hate to say that because, I mean, that cliche of like when Spencer Rattler brought up that they wanted to win more, like the the category of they wanted it more. I I fucking hate that. Sure, I, I really hate that. It, it just comes down to one team outplayed the other. Mm-hmm. Now, I think what Spencer Rattler could have said, or the um, I could have believed it a hundred percent was. Um, we did not mentally prepare. Like, don't you don't know what Tulane did? You don't know what they believe. You don't know what they thought. Mm-hmm. You can only control what you know. Um, but players and coach, I mean, players especially. We'll get into this a little bit later. But players, you know, they're not going. A lot of them are not going to take the onus on themselves and mm-hmm. say we did not play well up to our standard. We, uh, we did not prepare. It's always going to be. It's so much easier to say, oh, they wanted it more. They outplayed their expect their, their capability, which that's disrespectful. It's not disrespectful for me or you to say, oh, you should score 50 and Tulane should score very few. That's just the reality of the talent. That's the reality of the situation. What's disrespectful is not preparing for your opponent, not taking them seriously, and then not showing any effort for half the game and then having to scrape by at home against a group of five team. Like, that's just, it's, all it is is concerning. Like, I, I know, oh, you can, they'll kill Western Carolina, and then everyone's going to, yeah, high five and everything, and feel good, and then we'll kick Nebraska's ass, because they're a helmet school, and I have no doubt effort will be, like, a, you know, hard to find for a helmet school like Nebraska in that game. And then what, and then Big 12 play is going to start, and then it's just going to be kind of back to square one. Okay, um, how, how prepared are you? Because now we have to kind of question, are they going to be up for this game? I hate, and I hate that. I hate going into every single Saturday thinking, will this team give a shit? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. very easy in this conference to not give a shit. It's, it's, and this year is not a year that you want to do that. I know. Nine and one in uh, week one. Nine and one. Uh, Oklahoma State struggled uh, against Missouri State. 
Iowa State did play without Charlie Kolar, which is a huge variable to add to that conversation because, I mean, that focus just me all of it goes on Brees. Brees, Brees Hall did not have a – he he had like a worse Big 12 championship game. Yeah, and I would imagine Northern Iowa, once Kolar was out, was like, well, shit, we'll just put A in the box and let someone else beat us. Um, you know, I, I wanted to – Again, I it just you, you talk about the effort. We said this before we came on. There's, you know, we can I guess sit, finally segment this end back to the offensive line, which is the last person to get to or the last group to. But I mean, Brian Osamo has to be better. Brady. I mean, David Aguayu was fine. He a couple little things, you know, technical things that he's got to improve on. But son of a bitch, the time when he when the running back did the angle route out of the backfield on the midline screen and he changed directions and ran him down was unbelievable. Osamoa has been, we said this now for, this is the 14th straight week, maybe 14th straight game, post game podcast kind of recapping that we've talked about Brian Osamoa being close time to stop being close. You're got all the elite athleticism in the world. You were a top 50 prospect, a uh, two, Brian Osamo was not Dane Brugler's top 50 heading into the year. It's time to show it. Stop overrunning, guys. Stop running your teammates over. Stop shooting gaps that hurt your team. Yeah. Perry on Winfrey, show up. Because the final four, four of the final five, Defensive snaps should be what Perry on Winfrey and all the and, and you know people reach like you know reach out to me and not just one but multiples like how many double teams did he catch? Well, guess what? On the final drive, he caught one and he threw both of them around. There's no excuse. So Robert Condrell is bad, Brady. But I was told by Lincoln Rye that he was great. Was that just in pass pro? Maybe. Maybe I missed that. You know, and I, I don't know how they we grade. We don't have the quote. I don't know how they grade offensive linemen, but, you know, kind of what we were talking about with uh, Spencer Rattler fading, The you know, the reason why was the interior of the offensive line is getting pushed back. I mean, Conjol was a big part of that. Like, does he have his guy, like, accounted for and, like, in him, like, on him? Like, sure. Is he getting beat? No, but he's getting pushed back. I mean, there were times in the run game, so, I mean, we, we were all There over. was no, like... That Kennedy Brooks had what seventy something or eighty yards, and how like he got thirty or forty of them on that fourth and one, mm-hmm. and it was just kind of like a basically what Tulane did to OU's defense, where Tulane called the correct play, going the opposite direction of where Alex Grinch was calling <laughs> the defense to go. You know, and the, unfortunately that can happen when you slant a particular direction. Yeah, um, that that was just kind of like they called the right play at the right time. Mm-hmm. Other than that, there was just. Kennedy Brooks made some guys miss. He looked good. Eric Gray didn't do much, but there was one play where he made, I think it was like a six-yard run. On the was, side, the one yeah, on the sideline. It was just incredible he got past the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just not not up to snuff and mm-hmm. not what we were told. No, and have to kind of take a step back. Andrew Rain will play moving forward. He's back from uh, COVID protocol issues. Um, but I asked you on the Sunday post um, if there was a noticeable difference, and you said that there, you know, he didn't play enough. Yeah, it was. It's one of those things where, like, I on just an, an individual basis, you can tell. Yeah, where, like he's 
He's just tougher. He's, he's a tough, tougher son of a he's bitch. He's got violent hands, like really violent hands, which is something you want in an interior guy. Just super violent hands. Very, you know, he's got good length. Like all those things that you want to see, you saw in that. So, I'm intrigued. I'm not going to wait on the I'm going to wait on the offensive line. Uh sounds like Wanye Morris is close. Is what Lincoln Riley said today to being ready to play. Brady, I have to imagine. I know he, they said Tyrus Robinson played well, but I have to imagine that. I mean, there's got to be a way to get him on the field. I mean, Marquise Hayes got shoved off the line a couple times. I mean, and part of that, too, like I, I do want to say, I mean, I had an NFL draft guy. We were talking about the game ahead of time, and he brought up the same exact guys or, you know, agreed with me on 77, who had a big day on Saturday. Maybe – Helping him get drafted after this year, he played so well on Saturday. Or Robert Condra was just not that good. Um, there's also that. There's that area to it. So I'm going to wait on the offensive line. Um, you know, I I do – I don't want to – you know, I think the receivers and everybody else was fine. Kennedy Brooks was – I thought he looked excellent. But I, I do want to say – when Rattler delivers a ball like he did to Mario Williams, and I'm not – he's a freshman in his first game. I don't care. I don't think it's going to be an issue because catching the ball was not an issue for him in high school. But when there is an opportunity there and he makes a th- as good of a throw as he did on that throw, like that ball's got to be caught. Mike Woods, you're a senior. That ball's got to be caught. And the game is – we said this before we came on in perfect wrap-up here. The game just looks different. If Perion shows up, they don't score 35 points, right? Am I am I in the wrong headspace there? Like, I feel like if he played the, f- you know, I don't know how many snaps he played, but if he played 80% of his snaps as hard as he did the final five, like, I don't think Tulane scores 35 points. No. If, if you know, Condrell doesn't play, do they run the football better? Maybe. And I mean, those those things are what needs to, you know, moving forward, like, it shouldn't be that. There should be no more ifs. This team is too good. They're too talented to be all these if this or, you know, if yes, we didn't drop yeah. this touchdown. If if Condrell, he they should have good enough depth to where that's not an issue. They shouldn't have any issue motivating Perry on Winfrey. There's yeah. no more ifs. Well, I mean, I, that's why I was kind of asking you about Andrew Rain because I don't – I'm not – I'm going to stop assuming with this team. Sure. Um, I know what you're talking about, him having more violent hands and just having a little bit more of a mean strength than maybe Mm -hmm. a Robert Conjol, and that should lend itself to just not having the offensive line being pushed at all. Mm -hmm. And and we talked about this, you highlighted this, and we talked about it on the Tulane preview of Jeffries, their defensive tackle, pretty good. Yeah, he was a lot better than I (laughs) I thought he was going to be. Yeah, but credit's... Kudos to us for at least pointing out that they do have some talent in the interior of their defensive line. I thought it was going to be a test. I didn't realize it was going to be a that struggle. Bi- yeah, or a big spotlight on Conjolane it. Uh, but I, I just don't want to assume with Rain because even if Rain played, the running game was just so unimaginative. Correct. And I, I don't know how much of that is if Rain played and was just flat out better maybe the playbook gets opened up a little bit to lend itself to more of establishing a running game you know mm-hmm. that, that could be a scenario i don't know how how much of it is 
there's two scholarship running backs on this team. But I was looking forward to the second half of a Tulane beatdown because I need to see if Jaden Knowles or Todd Hudson have it. Correct. One of those guys needs to have Caleb something. Caleb Williams. I mean, that was at a whole. And I don't. I don't even know what to think about that. I really don't. I like at this point, there is just too much data that points to Rattler being good. There's even enough from Saturday. I mean, we're talking about the Jaden Hazelwood play, right? The, you know, I mentioned the you know the interceptable pass that was the DPI. Yeah, and the the one early in the game that was there on the Y cross that he took advantage. Rattler was able to recognize pre-snap that the safety and the corner were playing in cover six. He was able and knew that he had an area on the field to throw the football. To me, when we're talking about like upstairs things for Spencer that need to improve, that was one of them. You know, better pre-snap recognition, which also would lead to better post-snap decision making. Like there was that in the game. And there was times where you can see that he's going through his progressions. So the Austin Stogner interception at the end, I mentioned a second ago. Like, he did everything what he was supposed to coach to do there. He just let, you know, you let Mims get too deep, you know. And as well, that allowed Stogner to have too much time to get behind that linebacker, make that throw more difficult. So it could have been even a decisiveness, a, a timing thing, you know. And that comes with film. That comes fixed with film. That doesn't come fixed with anything else. And that's a positive thing. The the inaccurate the inaccurate throws, that's the that's the if that shows up <laughs> that shows up in Manhattan or in the Cotton Bowl, I mean Oklahoma's gonna be in a tough spot. So yeah. there's a lot to come with it. I know there's a lot of Caleb Williams talk, but like I said earlier, if Caleb Williams plays, he's a he's nineteen. He's 20. It's going to be volatile. He doesn't know the game as well as these defensive coordinators do. Now, I could just be full of myself, and Caleb Williams could be like Aaron Rodgers, which which is kind of the you know go to thing. But I again, I just it's such an unknown, you know, that I just can't I can't imagine that he's going to show up and do the things that Kyler couldn't for the first seven weeks, and do the things that Jalen couldn't and do the things that Spindler's, Spencer's not been able to do within this offense. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, well, I, I think two things with Caleb Williams. Like, one, as it pertains to him being a gadget player. having Love a, it. Yeah. I still don't even, don't even know how to feel about that because, to me, that's worrisome. Like, okay. is OU going to have a short yardage problem where they have to manufacture it? Sure. Because all that means is when it's first and ten, like – Sayonara establishing the run during the game, unless it's just OU's day and they're better than their opponent. Mm-hmm. That's worrisome to me. But, you know, we'll, we have to give a chance to Andrew Rain. We have to give a chance to Wanya Morris. Uh, maybe some of these guys just getting better chemistry, better reps, um, because being those offensive lines two, three weeks in the season, much, much better than day one. Unfortunately, the last few years, that's just been the case. Uh, yeah, they were much better on Saturday than they were the first game against Kansas State last year. You want to look at any positive? Sure, sure. I mean, they, they're they're in shape, they got and their, if they weren't, they are now because they sweated about you know ten pounds of water off their bodies yesterday on Saturday. Whipped their ass up front last yeah. year in that first game. So no, I that's where I'm at. I, I'm kind of now like to this place, and like I said, you know, you saw maybe saw some of my tweets on Twitter. You know, my stance has always been from the game ended. You know, after wa- or rewatching it, this is funny. I told Brady this. It was bothering me so bad that I didn't figure I don't know why. And I say this this is about a it's so much easier to come on a post game when Oklahoma plays well and talk about it because 
they didn't have mistakes that you've got to go to the film and watch and figure out. And it was driving me nuts Saturday night. So I got back from the wedding. <laughs> yes. And I broke the game down from 12.30 to 2.30 in the morning. And I'm like, well, that was like 3 o'clock in the morning, Brady. I'm like, why the hell did I just do this? I could have just woken up early and done it. <laughs> so oh. I, um, that's where I'm at. And I was going to say, and then, you know, finish off to you, like, and I tweeted this, and I, I truly believe this. Like, there's a there's a balance here where I'm understanding Oklahoma has a lot of correctable issues that they've got to fix. They have to fix. If they want to be the team they want to be, they have to fix them. And then there's, like, that balance of – we talked about it, like, running it on passing downs. Like, everything playing, calling, offensively working. And understanding to give credit to Fritz and Chip Long – not the chip long you think it is. I don't think. I don't think it's. I don't think it's a former Oklahoma guy that's down there. No. Or there would have been a story written last week. <laughs> um, I, I, it's not. Not there's Chuck a, Long. Or Chuck Long. Sorry. Uh, I was thinking Chip Brown. I don't know. Anyways. Um, speaking of Texas, but I was. Uh, play, I was going to say. Play the sound bite. Play it. <laughs> play it, Matt. <laughs> That you got to give, like, there's that balance there I'm fighting of, like, giving maybe too much credit to Willie Fritz and then understanding Oklahoma has a bunch of correctable issues that, that have to happen. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And, you know, the biggest one, right, you want to talk about what mental errors happen and what can do? Let's go to the, the final interception that Rattler did throw to Stogner. The first play of that drive, as Brady knows from and every, people that watch the breakdown, there's a blown assignment at right tackle that allows a guy to rush freely that Rattler was then forced to try to have to throw it away and it turned into an intentional grounding. It's not on Spencer. They get into a first and 20, get into third and eight, third and nine. Now he's, there's pressure to make that play and make that and get and get, you know, pressure to make a tougher throw, you know? So it all works hand in hand. Everybody's got to be better. I can tell you that all the things you heard about camp and Lincoln being a hard ass is true. And talk, talking about finishing and focusing on finishing games. All of that's true. But there comes to a point where that's got to translate. It's, it's time. There's, this is the 15th game since Lincoln's been the head coach at Oklahoma. 15th game that they've had chances to put games away and they never did. In the first one, when you talk about an alarming thing, looking back on it, against an 0 and 12 Baylor team or 1 and 11 in 2017. Yeah, what what's OU just off? Because I just want to know this. What's sure. what's OU's record in those 15 games? They lose like four, three or four of them. They lost uh, Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl was the Georgia game. Yeah, they yeah. lost that one. They lost uh, 2018. Texas was not that. But Did they have a chance to like put the game away against Iowa State, or was that always kind of a they did put the game away against Iowa State on the on that drive in in eighteen or um, in seventeen. In seventeen, they had the they got up fourteen nothing and lost. Yeah, because Ceedee Lamb got hurt and then the offense kind of sputtered. Didn't some didn't a running back get hurt that day too? If I remember correctly, was that when um oh who was this guy who transferred to Syracuse? Oh, uh, Amir Abdul. No, 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 you're in the right headspace. Oh my gosh. 
He's got the longest run in Oklahoma history. Yeah, Brady. against against Baylor. Abdul Adams. Abdul Adams. So okay. Abdul Adams fumbled early a- in that game. Right. Trey Sermon and Baker Mayfield had the uh, quarterback running back exchange. But I mean, you go through the games, right? I mean, this is the fifteenth one. So it starts at the top. Let me say this on strength and conditioning before we move on. I Brady, I know you've been around for a long time, watching a lot of Oklahoma teams warm up and go through their things. They were one. They had plenty of energy in the third in the second half on a hot day. And two, physically, when I walked into the Peach Bowl in 2019, into the LSU practice for the first time to see him, I knew then that Oklahoma was in for a long day that night. They looked a lot different. This team looks very similar to one of those teams. Mm-hmm. Really don't want to hear about strength condition. Yeah, let, let's kind of let this in the next few minutes be the uh, like the Oklahoma media segment. Um, obviously, I mean, it is what it is. Gabe Eichard, Teddy Lehman on their podcast, they called out strength and conditioning. They called out the starters for pulling their tape off, and uh, we had a patron reach out um, over uh, a direct message on our Patreon page. Keegan, you answered. Um, had a friend of mine who's a patron reach out um, and ask about essentially the same thing. And the, the best way I can like I can describe this, it's like Gabe and Teddy, like they obviously have their audience. Um, they're former players, so they have a perspective that you and I are just never going to have. Correct. Uh, but we have a perspective that they don't have. Like at least I do. Like, and you can, people can shit on this all they want, but if there weren't million thousands of millions of people like me that cared about this stuff, cared about this shit that, as much as I care about it. Uh, then there would be no such thing as professional athlete. You would have to have a second job. You would never like the reason why you get paid millions of dollars to play basketball or football is because there are uh, hundreds of thousands of people like me that give a shit. Mm-hmm. Why don't like I don't want this to get into like a men versus women thing but why don't WNBA players get paid as many as NBA players it's because not as many people care about the WNBA mm-hmm. Un- uh, it's unfortunate but that's a big reason why so whenever former players um, are in the media you know they, they're they there for a reason too and like I said they bring a perspective that you and I just do not have correct but when they speak on things like that are essentially one of two things one Back in my day, no, 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 no. That, that that has nothing to do. Like you can you can add that to perspective, but you don't know how the modern day player is supposed to be. You don't know. And hell, I remember being an OU fan on message boards back in the Jerry Schmidt days. It was the same shit same, all the time. Everybody complained. Everybody gets fucking hurt. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, the drill sergeant days of Jerry Schmidt. I get it. If you went through it and survived it, it probably made you kind of feel like a little bit holier than thou and that, oh, these kids don't know what it's like. Like I, I get that. Mm-hmm. But please lose me with that. Just please. And I, mean, I, I, I don't know. Um, the other thing that former athletes like to bring up that kind of gets on my nerves, and Nick Harris said this on Twitter, um, where he said, I stopped listening to people who peaked athletically in high school a long time ago. Now, again, if you want to just discredit people 
that are bringing about fair analysis. Like, if someone discredits you, Keegan, because you didn't have your hand in the fucking dirt, I'm just, look. You know Keegan, what I would do. You know, it's like, that That to me is just, you're just showing that you're sensitive, which is fine. Like, we're all sensitive. We don't mm-hmm. want to be criticized. But there's a way to do it in a fair way and not by being an asshole. Um, if Nick Harris and former players, like, get on this high horse of, oh, I don't care about what, you know, sheep talk about. Again, like, if there weren't sheep, you wouldn't be a professional athlete. Mm -hmm. That's the fact of the matter, economically speaking. At the same time, it's like, not everybody is just being downright rude. Like, yeah, to people who are just being rude and adding players and telling them they fucking suck during a game or after a game, like, yeah, that has no business in society. That's just a spotlight on you individually that you're an asshole. And here's my thing, too. Like, Gerald McCoy said something on Saturday, you know? And there's truth to it about, you know, at home and and that fun stuff. He, you know, 2011 Texas Tech ruined the home winning streak. They blew games in a a potential championship season at Colorado and at Texas Tech. Those two teams weren't any good. I mean, I I, I just – Well, what what did Gerald say? Because all I saw was that he he mentioned that – Alabama is the standard if you're wanting to win a national title, and this team isn't it. And that's like, yeah, they're that's right right now. Sure. <laughs> Alabama destroyed Miami, who let's all forget that I picked Miami straight up. Let's just do that. Now we can move on. Go ahead, Keegan. What I was going to say is, he, you know, he mentioned that, you know, this is not right. Like, this was a five-point win at home, and I can pull the tweet up right now. And, like, I'll even say this. Like, I, you know, spoke with Gabe yesterday, like, going over some film-related things. And those guys know that stuff better than everybody. Like, they they know that playbook. They work for the radio. They, they get film that we don't have access to. Like, they know those things. But, as I said before I came on, like, I mean, we were sitting here giving you warning signs, potentially, what to expect from Michael Pratt in the offense. You can go listen to our Thursday pod last week where I say they're going to run a bunch of t- a ton of RPO stuff, ton of quick game stuff in the passing game. Um, did not expect the run game variation stuff. That was not last year. Um, yeah. Which, but, again, OU fans, uh, you better hope that they shore that up because what's Sarkeesian going to do? They will be seeing – our patrons will be seeing some clips of that from the uh, Texas-Louisiana game. And that's – that, Brady – you want to go to the big picture red warn- red flags and warning signs. That's the that's the that's the situation. Let me finish this. Uh, Joe McCoy says now y'all nobody now y'all know nobody reps OU harder than me, but I'm a realist and not fellas that ain't gonna get it. We are number two and we beat Tulane by five points at home. We got an extra home game and that's what we do with it on opening day. A win is a win, but nah, man, there is a standard. Um, can I say this? That was not a home game. I was at the game. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was a worse environment than the spring game. Yeah, it, I mean, it was weird at the tailgate. We said this before we came on. Like you said, that I think perfectly. One, if Texas or if OU, you switch the opponents for OU and for Texas. OU and Texas, Louisiana. and Louisiana's got that twenty-third ranked number by them. Like I would imagine, Oklahoma plays a little bit differently on Saturday. I'd hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to assume anymore, but I, I would hope so. And two, I think you hit the nail on the head here, is if the game was played in New Orleans, like it was scheduled, 
I mean, that's your first business trip as a team. You guys probably take it seriously. You have four or five guys still go out to camp, go out to Bourbon Street. But for the most part, I prob- they probably take it a little more seriously than they would have sleeping in the hotel that they've sleep in in Norman every Friday night before a home game. So Yeah. I mean, again, I, I hope so. Right. Sure. I, I'm kind of scared of the thought of going down to New Orleans, you know, if Hurricane Ida wasn't a thing, which is better for everybody involved. But I'm kind of frightened of the prospect of going down to New Orleans thinking like, oh, yeah, 56 to 10, that's th- that's my prediction. And then what I go see is, oh, you lose to Tulane on the road. And it's mm. like, wow, what, what, a, uh, what a waste of money this was. But, oh, you just want to know. Uh, the last media thing I wanted to get to, Keegan. Okay. Um, and we need, I need to get this – I need to get this – guy on because uh this this was just an interesting 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 thing uh parker thune uh was it ou insider yes ou insider formerly with our uh our good friend john hoover on uh, all sooners si sooners uh, now with uh inside ou or ou insider this was inside ou see like this is ou insider on 24 7 see this is what happens when you mow the lawn uh, not hashtag mow the lawn, but when you actually mow the lawn at noon, uh, ninety four degrees, and oof, I am I'm I'm dying. But we will soldier through. Uh, Parker writes essentially that he I think his words were I'm not saying there's a QB competition or suggesting that there should be one, but if Spencer Rattler continues to be a hindrance to the OU offense, then they need to go all in on Caleb Williams. To that, I would say, look, that's inherent with every team. Mm-hmm. If Sam Bradford in 2008 went through three or four games in a row or he just randomly threw three or four – like if the Monstars came down and stole his talent, Sam Bradford would have been benched. He would have been benched for Joey Halsey because it's like you are not helping the team. Like If that happens, then sure, like anybody's going to get benched. Mm-hmm. Assuming that Caleb Williams is ready right now to be unequivocally better than Spencer Rattler, who does need to improve a lot, mm-hmm. I'm sorry that 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 is that is an assumption that I'm not even willing to make. I think I think the world of Caleb Williams. I'm excited for him. Um, hopefully, if he continues to come out onto the field in kind of a package situation, hopefully it's a little bit more nuanced and not just I'm going to get the ball out of the shotgun and run forward. Mm-hmm. Like showcase that arm, make the defense kind of make the defense kind of be on their toes. But um, I just thought that that was kind of I don't know. Like what what's the point of that? What's the point of saying it's like yeah, if Spencer Rattler starts fumbling the ball and throwing interceptions, yeah, he's gonna get benched. But he he got benched for Tanner fucking Mordecai, and he's Tanner Mordecai is not better than Spencer Rattler. It was he got benched because Spencer got benched. Because he wasn't playing well and hadn't been playing well, mm-hmm. so I don't know what the point of that is, other than just there's a superstar, five star quarterback waiting in the wings, and everybody wants to see him. Mm-hmm. I, th- I mean, I think the biggest thing is, I mean, Baker Mayfield didn't get Lincoln's offense until after he got his ass handed to him by Ohio State. He even had games in 2017. 2017 Texas Baker wasn't good. He was. He finished the game, made a great throw to Mark Andrews, but he wasn't elite. He wasn't the Heisman winner in that game. I just the single game data, and, and the other thing too, right? Like 
I mean, Caleb Williams, like Spencer Rattler didn't come in the spring in 19, right? Showed up in the summer, was not groomed to be the starter, didn't have a spring, didn't have a summer, played a season through a really awkward fall camp where everything was over Zoom, meetings-wise. Caleb Williams was here in the spring when things were normal, normal-ish. He's here in the summer when things were normal, more normal. He is going to be more ready than what Spencer was a year ago to start. But there's going to be volatility because there's volatility. Unless he's the greatest thing since sliced bread, I'm not discounting. I'm not going to bet against Caleb Williams to prove me wrong there. But what I'm saying is, is that there's going to be volatility everywhere. I mean, look, Justin. I mean, I think this is the perfect example. I mean, Justin Fields was not a finished product last year. He was really good in the in the Clemson game, phenomenal in the Clemson game. Mm-hmm. But he struggled against Indiana. Decisiveness, timing, those were his biggest flaws coming out of college as a third year player. So, it happens. Quarterbacks go through this. And I, I didn't send you this, but I was talking with a, an NFL draft guy back in uh, February, March. And, uh, you know, I made the joke that Rattler's like a cryptocurrency. Eventually, you're going to go to the moon. <laughs> but you got to know when to buy and you got to know when to sell. And there's going to be a lot of highs. There's going to be a lot of lows. But he is, I mean, he's the one. I mean, we say this all the time, right? There's... The only other quarterback with his profile coming out of college is arguably could be the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. So, with that, that's all I got from the game. I uh, I think this was a with Western Carolina this week, Brady. This is a needed podcast. I don't know how much more you got from me, but I I do think that like not necessarily to walk you off that edge because I don't think that's what I did, and I'd hope you know I, that's not what I was hoping to do. But I hope that you understand more of the why of what happened Saturday. Like that's if I can do that, I think I've done my job. And there's concerns. There there are some major concerns. We went through those. I talked about them. And I hope moving forward from Oklahoma's perspective, that from covering the team for four years, from growing up here in the state of Oklahoma, that they understand that there is that standard. And, you know, I can speak to it a little bit, right? You know, like, this is very, you know, I'm not trying to, like, highlight myself at all or anything. But, I mean, I, I feel like I represent Cashin every single day. If I'm, living, if I'm not living up to that standard, I feel like I'm failing. And I think to speak to that, Brainy, of all the things that happened on Saturday, it's, I think it's that that frustrates people more. And I think there's a thousand percent truth to that. Yeah, I don't think the I, I don't I don't think they understand that. I I think this is a, you know, you've got older guys like Benito and Thomas and Fields, and you've got guys like uh, Kennedy Brooks, and you've got guys around that have been through the fire. They've won some crazy games. So I mean, that this a lot of those guys were around 2019 Baylor, in Waco. I mean, they they understand the standard in which they need to play. That second half is it in that Baylor game. The Florida game last year is the standard. The Texas Tech game last year is the standard. They got to live up to that more often. And I think that's what, of anything, Brady, that happened Saturday, and if I can feel you and speak not just to you and to other people, I feel that. 
and I understand that. And it has to – there's got to be something there that gives because there's been 15 games. And, Brady, as you know, I asked this question last year, and I was the only one that would to Lincoln and Grinch after the uh, Kansas State game, is why do you keep – pretty basically blunt, why do you keep letting teams back into games? Why do your why do your teams keep doing it? Because it's not just a 19 trend. It's not just an 18 trend. It's not just a 17. It's been all five years Lincoln's been to Oklahoma. Yeah. I mean, it, it certainly is now, I think, the last two and a half years more paramount because – They the have cl- the defense. Yeah, the, the cleanse is over. The 17 and 18 defense was, were fucking terrible. That was the that, reason why and they – that was why. Yes. And maybe, maybe this is a grand Lincoln-Riley problem – we just thought it was just the defense's fault. But, I mean, not to go down a Rose Bowl rabbit hole, but, like, yeah, the third quarter offensively was bad, but guess what? Georgia was pretty fucking good, and Correct. they were going to make a run at some point. Correct. Um, but, oh, well, that's the past. Basically, it's just going to come down to this game, the Tulane game. If OU is going to reach its goals this season, the Tulane game must symbolize, it, it must symbolize, like, none of this is easy. You have to go out there and earn it. Winning is hard. Yeah, it's hard. Beating the shit out of a team is really hard. Hope so. I hope so. Now uh, let's turn the page real quick, Keegan, to a fun thing because we've just been kind of not doom and gloom, but we've been on the precipice of doom and gloom because that's what happens when you uh, win by five points over a group of five team in your own stadium. Those things can happen. But on our Patreon page, uh, was it blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, blah. Where we go? Where we go? It's patreon.com slash through the keyhole. Uh, $1 a month gets you all of our written articles only. $4 a month gets you the written articles plus podcasts and some other funny videos. I've got one coming out later on today that I did with Lee Benson of Oklahoma's News 9 last week. Um, and then $5 a month gets you everything, including Keegan's awesome film reviews that he drops every Sunday following each OU game. Uh, so look forward to to that i think uh as of right now the last time we talked about this keegan i think we might make the western carolina film review free maybe Uh, about 15 minutes maybe about 15 (laughs) minutes of it and and yeah no 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 like i'm saying the video itself it might just be 15 minutes minutes long now (laughs) you say that but then caleb williams is going to play like the entire second half don't put that on me now we got to like deep dive caleb williams (laughs) Here we go. Throwing against air for a quarter. That's, that's where we can be assholes. Is <laughs> Caleb Williams is on the Patreon page. If you want to see Caleb Williams film review, then you have to go, you have to go over to the Patreon page. No, but um, every Monday I put out the Monday post and just some thoughts concerning OU football, OU history, whatever's on my mind at the time or over the last few days prior to writing it. And then I round it all off with a question of the week. And lately, we've been giving out prizes to our favorite uh, responses. Last week was a prediction-based <laughs> mon- like question of the week, and about Tulane, and nobody was close. Nobody. Nobody was. Nobody was close at all. And that is none of our faults. Like I said, that is Oklahoma's fault. <laughs> Oklahoma should have scored fifty some odd points, and Tulane should have scored very little. That's how that should have gone. That's their fault, not yours. Do not be mad at yourself for making a wrong prediction, because I did too. Uh, but this week, I went back to more of a question, uh, trying to get some more creativity. And it's really simple. I think Gabe Burkich is my hero oh. right now. He's awesome. I-, I love the weird quirkiness that he has because it's like 
he's probably kind of a nerd, but it's just so fucking cool. Mm-hmm. And plus, he's awesome. Like, oh, he missed a chip shot field goal. But he hit three 50-yarders. Never happened game. in uh, never happened in NCAA history till Saturday. Right? I think it tied. Tied a record. I think it tied a record. There you go. I think it tied a record. But yeah, Gabe Burkage is awesome. And so I asked our patrons, uh, very simply, name a movie starring Gabe Burkage as a James Bond type, and then feel free to add plot details and co-stars and just kind of have fun with it. Get creative. The winner is going to receive a through the keyhole T-shirt, where I will basically just DM the person size going get an address and i'll send it their way as asap but uh that's where our good friend matt burton is going to come in handy right now so uh matt please take it away with the gay burkich movie trailers this fall coming to theaters near you the critically acclaimed film there's no fifth down starring gay burkich as the stash with Spencer Jones as one eye Jerry and Michael Turk as Turks and Caicos. We open on a dirty rundown bathroom in Norman, Oklahoma. The kind you could get tetanus from just setting foot in. One eye Jerry is washing his hands. A shady looking character with curly hair walks through the door. It's clear he's there for Jerry. Curls growls out the words, the bear sends his regards. He tackles him to the ground. They brawl. As the scuffle continues, a stall door opens. First, we see football cleats. We pan up, slow motion, as a rousing, full orchestra version of Boomer Sooner plays. When we finally reach the mystery man's face, we see none other than our star. The Stash. A single sparkle beams from his dimple and immediately fades, like a firework over Memorial Stadium after a game-winning kick. He looks down at the fight. Jerry, again, he says. He takes three steps and kicks Curls right in the face, knocking him out cold. Jerry stands up, dusting himself off. Damn, that would have been good from 70, thanks. They exit the bar. Outside, they find Turks and Caicos, finishing up a cigarette. Jerry asks, I got jumped. Where were you? Kakos shrugs. They wouldn't let me in because I'm unvaccinated. Stash's phone rings. He answers it on speakerphone. A voice rings through the phone's tiny speakers. Hello, angels. Hello, Von Shaman, they reply. A new organization, layman's terms, has begun an attack on collegiate kickers. They're trying to convince the NCAA to impose a ban on any kind of kicking taking place on fourth down. You must use the man you left unconscious in the bathroom to infiltrate the organization. Figure out the particulars of their plan, who the mastermind is, and put a stop to it. I don't need to tell you what this could do to the futures of kickers everywhere. Best of luck, angels. Jerry says, right before he jumped me, the guy in the bathroom said, the bear sends his regards. Turks and Caicos responds, like a teddy bear? The stash quips. Whoever he is, we need to find this layman's teddy bear and put a stop to him, because there's no fifth down. Cut to black. As the screen slowly opens in an upright rectangle resembling goalposts, we see a football at the end of the hallway. The stash walks around the corner. In a flash, he turns and kicks the ball down the hallway directly into the camera lens. 
the screen goes black as the opening credits roll. Awesome stuff, Nick. My goodness. The effort. The effort was awesome, which we could not say about OU on Saturday. If if OU showed effort that Nick showed in the uh uh, in his response, then OU would have won sixty to zero or sixty to three or something like that, something more akin to reality that we expected. But uh, Nick, congratulations! Thank you so much. That was a lot of fun. Uh, that was a lot of fun to read. It was a lot of fun to just kind of peruse through. Uh, everybody did a great job. Uh, Jeff Morris, I, mean, I felt the same way about Doc Holiday. That would be awesome. Uh, God Davis. It was really hard to pick between you and Nick, but again, let's be real here. You already have a shirt. He does already have one because he's awesome. Yes. He usually comes to our Thursday pods at Vanessa House, which we will return this Thursday. But Nick, I'm going to shoot you a DM and get your shirt mailed to you as soon as possible. So everybody, thank you for playing. Thank you for all the fun answers. And everybody out there listening on the podcast feed, again, it, the podcast name just changed and the picture just changed. That's it. It's still free. You can still still expect free content in addition to our stuff on our Patreon page. And again, people are jumping on and uh, supporting. Uh, I guess that means we're doing a fairly good job and hopefully uh, you give it a chance and we can just kind of have fun with it. The more people we get, the more fun stuff we're able to do. So greatly appreciate anybody willing to support in whatever way shape or form we greatly appreciate that but uh keegan anything else before we get out of here no uh, i i think the big thing is you know i you know we we talked about some people in here and you know i just want to say like you know not we're not doing that to say to only listen to us and stop listening to them that's not no i listen to i listen to about every ou podcast Mm -hmm. i read everybody's articles about them um, I gave Joe Bettner a plug on the Monday pod I did with Road Warrior last night. Uh, his Eyes on Oklahoma substack is awesome. Mm-hmm. It's really well done. Like, I like effort. You know, I like effort not just in sports, but I like effort in just whatever people do. And so whenever people show effort, consistency, because this is not easy. Like, it's easy to sit down and talk to you about OU football. Mm-hmm. The preparation for it, the post-production for it, which is why I needed Matt's help. Um, planning your day around stuff like th- it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard to keep doing this, and you know we're, we don't need a medal or anything. But it's not as easy as it probably sounds. Uh, but um, I, I like effort, so yeah. Ab- listen to whatever you want, or I'm not going to tell you tell you what. Yeah, to do. yeah, and 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 yeah, and that's really you know my big thing is that I think that you know moving forward that we're kind of in this weird space, right, Brady, where we're like. We have a bunch of access to tape and things in the past that has allowed me to continue to improve in what I do and seeing things. It'd be a good thing, Brady, that you and I were not watching the game together on Saturday and my buddy Mac that was there with me uh, was. And it cracked him up about halftime. He was like, you've literally done nothing but like tell everything that's happening before plays. And I'm like, yes, I've done nothing but watch Lincoln for four years. I do nothing else besides that. So... Um, it's allowed me to do all that. It's been fun. Uh, and I'm saying this in the response to the video. Um, let me pull it up right now and see what the views are at before I get out of here. But to all the people that have reached out to me personally, um, through Twitter, DM, whatever it may be, appreciate it. Um, glad you're a part of it. 
glad you want to learn more about the game of football because that's ultimately what it is. You know, if if you are at your buddy and you and your buddy are at a bar, Brainy, and you could sit there and go, oh, look, Marvin Mims is lined up in the slot over here with Hazelwood and Starner to the left. He's going to run a sting concept. If you do that and you can be a badass with all your buddies at the bar because you call a play, like that's if that's the direction we go, um, that's that's perfect for me. Um, but it's people seem like they want to learn more about this offense, learn the reasons of why more than being told. Um, and I'm glad that we show our work. Let me tell you that. Well, I'll ask you this. Is that considered a spoiler alert? Mm. Like, oh, leak played. It's like, great. Like, I wanted to be excited. <laughs> you're you're <laughs> right. I had, so it was 2019. I mean, you remember that. I watched seven of LSU's games before the Peach Bowl in 19. And so you only needed to watch one to go, yep, this ain't it. <laughs> <laughs> no, what actually was the worst part is that the Florida game was a blueprint to beat LSU's defense and stop them offensively. That was the worst part that could have happened. But regardless of that, I was watching the national championship game, and my brother midway through the second quarter asked me to be quiet. Because every time LSU was motioning – Politely. Yeah, every time LSU was motioning a guy, it was like, oh, they're going here. They're trying to attack here. So, no, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I have the video pulled up. 97 people have watched the breakdown, or at least 97 times people have. The time of view on the video is fantastic. It's our most watched video um, so far happy and proud of that i know we still got you know this week on thursday breaking down some of the big 12 teams from last weekend have some stuff on that uh, that i wasn't able to get to last week kind of taking a look around the around the league so um yeah it's been really fun the uh response to the Tulane game a lot of people had questions and i, I hope we found them answers and i'm glad you guys are here Oh, yeah. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to Through the Keyhole, either on the free pod or also on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash through the keyhole. Uh, shout out to Matt Burton doing an awesome job. Like we said, ever since he joined, Patre- Patreon numbers have just gone through the roof. So I'm going to attribute that to Keegan's hard work and just Matt being around and us swimming in his wake of awesomeness. So everybody, thank you so much. We greatly appreciate it. Shout out to the Road Warrior. If you have not listened to the Monday pod that I'll be doing with Road Warrior moving forward, please do so. I enjoy talking with him so much. It's a lot of fun talking OU football with different people. Um, I just enjoy it. But everybody, thank you so much. Till next time, Boomer Sooner, and we'll talk to you later. <laughs>